With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of A to Z Maps here on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian Kayanja, and we have a jam-packed episode. We're talking Summer League, which is up and coming. We're talking about where the Mavericks roster stands and everything else that's happening with the team. Stay tuned. The NBA Summer League starts this Friday, and Mavs fans, you are all about to see, finally, what Jaden Hardy is made of. Jaden Hardy, the number 37 overall pick, by the Sacramento Kings traded to Dallas on a draft night deal, played at G League Ignite last season instead of going to college. And Mavs fans are excited because he brings something fresh, something new, and an actual draft selection for Nico Harris and his brain trust that features owner Mark Cuban and this new regime that was brought in last summer. But let me tell you why I'm not sold on Hardy and why you shouldn't be either. Now, if you scour Mavs Twitter, you're going to see things like, oh, Jaden Hardy could be the perfect running mate next to Luka, and other crazy takes that are seemingly outlandish and and a bit asinine and disconnected from reality. I'm here to tell you what Jaden Hardy is. Hardy is a talented point guard who can score at all three levels, but is a long way away from playing in the league today. And that's just the truth of the matter. With Hardy, if you look at his G League Ignite stats, yes, he averaged double-digit points. And yes, in the final like five games of the season, he really turned it on in terms of efficiency and shot making. But who was he the player, the majority? What type of player was he the majority of the season? Well, he was a guy that was a volume shooter that lacked efficiency, that didn't make a lot of outside looks. And oftentimes, he almost looked out of place in a G League where he was playing against seasoned professionals. Now, you can frame this in one of two ways. You can say, well, Hardy was willing to play against pros earlier. That must mean that you know, he is ready for the NBA game earlier than, say, a college prospect. And I'm here to say pump the brakes on that a little bit, because I think Hardy playing in the G League exposed how far away he is from being a genuine contributor on this team. I mean, he's a good-sized guard that has a shifty handle, smooth shooting mechanics, but the percentages were not there. He shot in the 30% field goal percentage rate on double-digit point averages, and then he shot in the 20% three-point field goal percentage rate, and he took a wealth of those as well. Now, after the draft, Nico Harrison explained his decision to draft Hardy as seeing him as a guy who was a three-level scorer that had a lot of upside and that was willing to play against pros earlier and and showed that he had some fortitude to play in the G League when other guys elected not to. And, And I resonate with that thought process. But to believe that Hardy can go from the G League Ignite to being a primary NBA contributor on a team that's trying to win a championship does not make sense. I'm not a big fan of guards that are, you know, 
volume shooters on low efficiency. The game has kind of moved past those guys. You have to be able to add something else to what you're doing. And I haven't seen that out of Hardy by watching his G League Ignite tape. But that's not me saying that he can't eventually be that. What I am saying is that he has to, it might take time for him to get to that place. And rather than banking, putting all your eggs in the Hardy basket and saying, oh my goodness, this guy's going to be a stud day one. It's recognizing that one, very few second round picks pan out. That's just a given. And then two, it will take some time if he's going to be a second round pick to pan out. Yes, the Mavs got Jalen Brunson after the first round of the NBA draft when he was drafted in 2018. But again, those situations are few and far between. You can't hold this belief that Hardy is somehow going to prove everybody wrong and be an instant contributor. And we're going to finally get to see what he, in fact, brings to the table in the NBA Summer League, which starts for the Dallas Mavericks this Friday. And that's why I'm so excited about what this year's Summer League has to offer. We finally get to see what he may look like in the Mavs offense, implementing some of the Mavs schemes, especially with Greg St. Jean as the head coach. The, the guy knows what he's doing when it comes to Summer League. He's, I think he might be one of the most winningest Summer League coaches. But regardless of all of that, regardless of the circumstance and the Hardy selection, what you are getting in Hardy is a guy that fell in the draft for a reason. And the Mavs traded back into the draft to get him. But you have to remember that you know, 30 teams passed on him for a reason. Maybe they too were scared off by the inefficient shooting numbers, by the volume shooting, and by the lack of creation for others. Because oftentimes those types of players turn into one-dimensional guys. And one-dimensional guys within the scheme of an NBA offense are really just one-trick ponies where you give them the ball to get a bucket, but they don't play long stretches because they can't do anything else. If you can't defend, if you can't play make, if all you can do is get buckets, you'll have a place in the league, but you'll never be a volume contributor. And if Mavs fans are expecting Hardy to be a volume contributor right away, well, they're in for a rude awakening. As good as Hardy may have been in high school, high school isn't the G League and the G League isn't the NBA. If a guy struggled with his efficiency in the G League, that doesn't scream to me that he's going to be an efficient NBA player. So you have to give these things time. I'm not saying don't believe in Hardy, okay? That, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is use common sense when analyzing Hardy's game. He's going to be a project. He's a long-term plan, not an instant solution. And that was my main gripe about this draft selection. The Mavs made the Western Conference Finals. They traded for Christian Wood. They lost Jalen Brunson, and then they added Hardy, a project. And adding a project to a team that's trying to contend now will only set yourself up for disappointment. And finding Hardy's role on this team is difficult between Spencer Dinwiddie and Luka and Tim Hardaway Jr. coming back. What role will Hardy play this year? I don't know where he fits in. And so that goes back to my original point. Don't expect Hardy to play any minutes for the big club this year with the Dallas Mavericks. I expect him to play more time in the NBA G League again than playing for the Mavericks. And that's fine because he was a project pick, but the project pick just doesn't align with the team's current timeline. And we'll see whether Nico Harrison has another ace up his sleeve, but until then, we just have to see what Hardy offers us in Summer League 
and take what we get from that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Josh Green is a guy that isn't playing in the NBA Summer League. And to me, that is a red flag for a couple of reasons. He's entering a make-or-break year, in my opinion, and he still hasn't carved out consistent minutes in the rotation. He played more under Jason Kidd than he did under Rick Carlisle. His defense was interesting, his jump shot was broken, and his playmaking was fascinating, but you still don't know who he is as a player. He's in this in-between place of what role does he play on a contender, and should he have been drafted by a team that was gearing up to rebuild more than contend, and him not playing in the NBA Summer League baffles me. It makes no sense why the Mavs wouldn't let their third-year guy just take a flyer and let him play. You see, the Oklahoma City Thunder are letting Josh Giddy play, and Josh Giddy was hurt in his rookie year, and he still is contributing in the Salt Lake City Summer League. He's had two triple-doubles, and he's really showing how he's growing his game. And so it makes me wonder why the Mavs aren't willing to do so with Josh Green and allow Josh Green to go out there and be the focal point of an offense, even if it's just a summer league offense. Maybe they believe that him working out on his own is more beneficial to his game, and I can understand that sentiment. What I can't understand is at least not taking a flyer on him one of the past two years. Yes, last year he had you know the Olympics and being part of Team Australia and all those things. But this year, I don't understand why not at least let him go out there and say, Josh Green, like for three games in the summer league, go get buckets and let's see what you can be. To me, this screams, again, red flag. For a young guy that doesn't have a consistent rotation in the NBA and the team isn't even willing to let him go out there and be the focal point of a summer league offense, and maybe they feel like they know what they have in Josh Green, but regardless of whether they know or not, the Mavs did release a couple statements regarding where Josh Green is and how they feel that it's better for him to be training on his own than training in the summer league. That was per Kevin Gray of 105.3 The Fan who reported that from his sources. But again, I go back to the notion of the way you get better at basketball is by playing. And Josh Green hasn't played extensively in the league. He's had five, six, seven, eight game stretches where he's played 10, 15 minutes a night, but he's never been an everyday guy. And to me, that's a bit of a bad thing. And in the summer league, if he's not even willing to be an everyday guy in the summer league, it comes down to what is the rest of his career here in Dallas going to look like? It might not be pretty for his interesting and as exciting as he's been in spurts and sessions and sections of the season. He has never been consistent. The summer league could have been a point for him where he could have proven he deserves to be a staple in the rotation. 
And instead, he, the Mavs and both Green and the Mavs have decided to pull him away from the challenge. Maybe they're thinking down the road and maybe I'm short-sighted. But I can't help but think that, man, if you're a young player in the league, the summer league is where you get to put on a show. And the Mavs could have had that opportunity to put on a show with Josh Green to showcase what he's all about. And instead, you kind of get a mix and a match of guys that are trying to make the league, guys that were on G League teams last year, and then the Mavs draft selection in Jaden Hardy. We'll see what we get out of this summer league team, but the staple in my mind is that it would have been even more intriguing to see what Josh Green looks like on this summer league team with an opportunity to prove himself as an NBA player. Because if Summer League does anything, it gives you confirmation bias. If you believe Josh Green is an NBA-level player and he produces well in the Summer League, you're going to be like, yeah, see, I told you. And if Josh Green doesn't do well, you're going to be like, eh, well, it's just Summer League. Either way, though, it was an opportunity for him to get better that the Mavs seem to have allowed him to pass on. Doesn't make sense to me, but still, the Mavs are calling the shots. So we'll see what we get out of Josh Green when we get closer to the season. But not playing in Summer League, it's a big red flag, and something should be noted about that. Since we haven't gotten to talk about the Jalen Brunson fiasco on this specific podcast, I wanted to tackle that with some tactfulness and a different perspective on the whole situation. Because for the last week or so, Mavs Twitter has been lamenting over losing Jalen Brunson for nothing. And I understand that. Jalen Brunson, at the very least, is an asset for the organization that could have helped them be better, whether that is him returning or a sign and trade. Well, that didn't happen. Instead, Jalen Brunson outright signed with the New York Knicks for $104 million. And I think the Dallas Mavericks are better because of it. Hear me out. See, Jalen Brunson, he is a nice player to have. He he averages 18 to 21 points. He can create his own shot. He's a a dexterous finisher. He uses his body to create space and get inside, and he's crafty in the mid-range. He was a seemingly perfect running partner for Luka Doncic last season. But knowing that he had an impending payday is a big part of this conversation. Jalen Brunson is a nice player to have at four years, $70 million. He isn't a nice player to have at four years, 110, four years, 105, four years, 100 million. And that's because he's a player that doesn't elevate your ceiling. Instead, he raises your floor. With Jalen Brunson on your team, you're going to be a consistent offense. You're going to have a guy that can get you a bucket when you need it. And you saw him do that against the Utah Jazz when Luka Doncic was out. But you're also not going to get a guy that necessarily moves the needle in making you a championship contender. Say the Mavs roll back and bring Jalen Brunson back on four years, $110 million. They have Tim Hardaway Jr., who they signed to a long-term extension last summer. And then you have Christian Wood and Luka. Christian Wood, He's a good piece to have. Again, I don't necessarily think he puts the Mavs over the top, especially with the moves other Western Conference teams are making. But to focus on Jalen Brunson, if the Mavs roll over that team this season and you get what you get from him, you're not better than you were last season. You may 
have more wins, but in terms of playoff success, I think the Jalen Brunson Luka Doncic pairing is tapped out at a conference finals appearance, especially when you see the way teams in the West are retooling. And if the Mavs commit a hundred and some million dollars to a player that I believe is at their ceiling in terms of how efficient and good can they be at the same time, you're not going to go anywhere. And that's been my main gripe about Brunson. For as skilled as he is, for as good as he is, he's not a player that is going to elevate you over the hump. Instead, he'll make it a more enjoyable ride until you reach that immovable team, which last season was the Warriors, where Dallas just didn't have enough talent. And bringing back Brunson locks them into a team long-term that isn't primed to compete, but isn't going to be a bad team either. They're in that weird middle ground of they can finish anywhere from three to six in a given season. And if you're locked into paying a premium price for a team that isn't a guaranteed top one or two team in the West, then you're that's franchise malpractice. And that's why I think Nico Harrison and Mark Cuban, though it was unsavory, were okay with Jalen Brunson walking. For as skilled as he is and for as good as he is, he wasn't a guy that's going to turn Dallas from frisky playoff team to contender overnight. And maybe they're betting wrong and maybe Jalen Brunson revitalizes basketball in New York. But I'd much rather take a guaranteed notion. And what we do know about Brunson is that for as good as he is, he raises your floor and not your ceiling. You pay premium prices for the guys that raise your ceiling, the sure bet superstar. You don't pay premium prices for the guys that raise your floor because you can hodgepodge Brunson's production. You can get, you know, 16 points from Spencer Dinwiddie and you can get 14 points from Tim Hardaway Jr. And you can put together a player by a group of players that produces what Brunson produced for the Mavs last season. And if you can do that, I don't think any player that you can piece together their production via other players is worth paying a hundred some million dollars. And so for as good as Brunson was last year and how much I enjoyed his breakout season, the Mavs dodged a bullet. They almost locked themselves into mediocrity. And instead of locking themselves into mediocrity, they still retain flexibility to make a move, whether that is next offseason or at the trade deadline this year where they can play their hand, get a superstar back, and find a way to win a championship. That may not come this season or next season, but with Luka and the flexibility that Nico has incorporated by not inking a long-term deal with Brunson, it's still in the cards. And that's all that matters, that the Mavs still have a few moves up their sleeve. There you have it, this week's episode of A to Z Mavs, here on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Make sure to follow me on all my socials if you like what I bring. My Twitter at is I-A-N-I-A-N-K-A-Y. You can follow A to Z Sports' Dallas Mavericks coverage at our Facebook page, which will be linked in the show notes. And you can always feel free to DM me questions, concerns, topics for the podcast, and whatever you want to hear, again, at my Twitter, which is I-A-N-I-A-N-K-A-Y. As always, may the rest of your day be the best of your day. Peace.